Welcome once again to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. Excited to have you here again today. Thank you for tuning in every single week as we release two episodes a week, especially during this crucial time of the COVID-19 crisis that's been going on. Excited to have you here. Grateful that you are um, not only tuning in, but subscribing and telling your friends and colleagues about it. That is so awesome, and I'm just so humbled that you would do that. Today, we have another one of our experts in But actually, what's interesting is that she's an expert and she's also a professional in the sense of she's running a practice with her doctor. And we're going to get to her in just a moment before we do. Don't forget, if you have not subscribed to the podcast to do so, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, make sure you do go um, and share it with a friend or family member. You can also go to dinowatt.com and get more information about some of our upcoming events. You can see our challenges there and you can get a free copy of my book. With that being said, I'm so excited to introduce Amanda Floyd, who is the COO of Fishbine Orthodontics, and she is killing it. I've actually seen her lecture. I've seen her uh, work online, and she's actually the first COO or office manager uh, or anybody who is not an owner or a uh, somebody who owns a product be on the show, and I did that deliberately because I've seen her work, I've seen what she's doing, and if you are in a car, you might wanna pull over. If you are um, at an office, pull out a notepad because you're gonna get some great information. I'm so excited to have you. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Gosh, that was such an um, amazing intro. Wow, I feel feel very honored to be asked to be your first non-owner guest, so I'm super pumped about it. Absolutely, look, I've I've stalked you. I've seen what you're doing out there. And I think it's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, Dr. Fishbein's been on this show. It's been awesome to have him here and hear his wisdom. But right. to know, you know, behind all the, the behind the scenes, look, I know, like, it's funny. I just did a uh, event this morning. I was the keynote speaker virtually at a the Arizona Dental Association. And I get done. There's 1,400 people on the thing. And my wife says, you know, it's really a really smart decision. And I said, what, that I married you? And she starts laughing. And I was like, well, it's true. Like she always gives me a different perspective, a different idea, and she makes my events better. I think that people who find really good support systems like yourselves, it's it's gold. It's, it's what every business owner wants. So I think it's amazing what you've done. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this position it, like your, we love stories here. Basically, we love to hear people's stories. So if you could okay. tell us your story, that'd be great. Um, so I have been in the orthodontic slash dental industry for about twenty years now. Uh, I started when I think I was like twenty two in my first office, and uh, we did pedo ortho in this office. I worked in the clinic for about two years, and then I took on the role of clinical manager. I did that for about ten years before moving Gulf Coast. Uh, I took about a year off when we moved down here, and. I think it was in 2011, I started with Dr. Paul Austin of Austin Orthodontics and uh, the one that, that started the practice that we now, you know, that we now have. Um, Dr. Fishbein bought the practice in 2013. We were a very small boutique practice. We had around seven employees total. Uh, we were producing a little under a million a year. And, you know, the previous owner was, was happy that he close to retiring he wasn't wanting anything super busy so it, it worked uh, at the time when dr fishbein bought the practice i was the clinical manager uh, and was tcing and of course you know in a practice of seven i was also doing a little marketing and you know just kind of like everything because there were so few of us uh, he bought the practice 2013 i started tcing for him in 14 and then he approached me in 2015 with a proposal to be his manager. Uh, so and the negotiations begin. Sorry, you know, on a side note, is this what you're looking for? Oh yeah, yeah. is this, this is what great, you're looking yeah. for though, as far as speed and? Okay, oh yeah, perfect. No, you're great. Okay, so yeah, he approached me in 20, 2015 um, to to manage, and it's funny because because when he approached me, he said, "Listen, I can't give you a raise." Um, but I've got a plan or I've got some ideas, you know, what I want to do to, to grow this practice. And if we can do it, we're both going to succeed at a very high level. 
And I said, okay, let's do this. So I said that after about a week, of course, it took me about a week to, to decide, <laughs> do I really want to manage this practice for zero more money? Do I want to take this on? At that point, we had seven employees and we didn't have a manager because previously uh, we, you know, we worked like a lot of the smaller offices work where the doctor is the manager, right? Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, I started managing. We were we were about a million dollar practice at that point. We had seven employees and um, little by little, really not little by little. We did it pretty quickly. I think we hit yeah, his five year leaps. goal that he presented. Yeah. 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 Five year goal that he presented to me. We hit that in about 14 months wow. and we, uh, you know, we renegotiated the contracts and we've kept going. So we've been able to, do some pretty amazing things. We have 90 employees now. We have eight locations, four doctors. Um, you know, we we hold our course, Fish Fund Fundamentals, where we're kind of being very open book about our systems and our culture and kind of what's gotten us to this point. But what we've been able to do a little differently, and I think what it's, you know, what's helped us succeed is we are a team of doers. So we don't sit around and think about and talk about how do we do this or, or what should we do next? We get an idea and then we just, we do it. So we have a, a joke, you know, we say in our office, it's ready, fire, aim. And it's how we operate because we don't want to waste a lot on trying to figure out the specifics. We just want to implement the process and then we figure it out as we go, which is scary for most people, but it's what's worked for us. No, that's amazing. And I totally resonate with the ready, fire, aim aspect of things. There's so many things I want to unpack here. First of all, Growing from a, you know, hitting your five-year goal and you said 18 months? Uh, It was about 14 months, yeah. 14 months. That's a lot of growth. That's a lot of expansion. And um, that can get out of control. I'm sure there are people listening going, how did you manage that? Did it feel like you were just drinking out of a fire hose every day or? It was a little crazy. Uh, I think probably in the, in the, probably about the middle of last year was the first time since 2016. He, he, I started managing for him in October 15. So 2016, 2017, 2018, they, they were really crazy years for me. I mean, just, just nuts. Like I can't even explain how crazy they were, but also exciting. I mean, in these, in these years we were, you know, we, we went from a team of seven to now. So we were constantly onboarding new people. We have an extremely high employee retention rate, uh, higher than, than most in our industry. And because of the unique way that we hire and train, but we have, you know, we have an amazing culture. We've handpicked all of these people that we work with. Um, we found some amazing talent as far as, you know, our leadership team and, you know, kind of an interesting fact, our team of directors, zero of them had experience in the industry prior to starting with us. So, you know, we've been able to attract, train, retain, um, you know, everyone for upward movement. And it's, it's been a really exciting few years for us. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. So I also want to know then with that, you said something very important and I want to, Here's a couple of things I want to unpack just so you can kind of get it going in your brain. I definitely want to know um, about how do you find these doers? Because I know people are asking that right away. As soon as you said that we only hire doers, well, where do you find them? How do you right. keep that culture yes. when you're expanding? And with such huge growth, how do you keep the, the, the focus being about the people that you hire and keep that retention? So first let's tackle the high, finding the right people. Because man, if there's one thing, that people get so often wrong when it comes to fi- uh, hiring is hiring the wrong people. They look good on a resume. They maybe show up good on a uh, interview oh, for sure, but then they peter out after a couple of weeks. For sure. We have a very unique uh, hiring process. It's um, it, you know, not everyone believes in this, but we hire only warm referrals. So, we're not really looking at a resume. We're not looking for experience. We're not really any of the traditional things that, you know, most ortho practices are looking for. We are looking for a nice person with a ready smile that can relate to other people. And that's really all it takes. 
we've always said we can train someone to do almost any job in our office, but we can't train someone to be a nice person. So we're looking for the nice people and we're willing to train them. We're willing to invest the money and time into them to develop their career as long as their, um, you know, their ethics and their morals and just overall attitude is, is in the right place. So we, we never hire, we, ha- or we never advertise that we're hiring. The last time that we advertised for a job was back in maybe 2016. We did it through Eid and I didn't have a lot of success with it. What I did find in late 20, let's see, late 2015, early 2016, really all through the years, uh, we found that when we were out and about and just having a regular conversation with someone, I would kind of click with that person. I would give them a card and say, listen, you know, if you're, if you're ever looking for a day job or, you know, something to do during your daytime hours, these are people, you know, working at tanning salons, gyms, restaurants, um, yep. you know, give me a call. I'd love to, you know, chat with you about the opportunity. So almost every person we've hired, that's how we found them. And I only had to really find the first 10 or 12 and then all of them started finding their friends and, you know, uh, we treated people well enough that they wanted to tell their friends about our practice and that, you know, the opportunity also incentivize our team. You find, uh, and, you know, if our team member finds an employee that we hire, uh, when that employee, when that new employee reaches their 90 day point, every furry gets a $250 bonus. And then um, we also have a training bonus. So 95% of our team members are being hired with zero experience. So whatever trainer trains this new employee at the 90 day mark, the trainer is also receiving a $250 payroll bonus. So we're paying out about 500 bonus per employee hired. But in my opinion, it's the best money we've spent. Absolutely. Um, I just have to say, I'm sure there are, remember I said at the beginning of the show, you might want to pull over if you're driving or take out notes. I know there are people who have already pulled over because they're thinking, this is insane. This is crazy. How does it work? And I'm sitting here saying, amen, hallelujah. I love what you're preaching because I'm preach. I preach all the time. What are you talking about here? You're talking about actually recruiting people that you'd want to work with, you create such an amazing culture and situation that the people who you work with, look, I always say this is the test to know if your team members actually really do love working for you. How many people have they referred to come work for you? Because if they don't, they're not going to refer their friends and family members to come work for you or other people that they find because they don't want that. They know the behind the scenes stuff. They don't want, on the front, they might say, oh, this is wonderful. But if they're not referring people to you, recruiting people actively for you, they don't love your practice as much as you think they do. And you're proof of that. I love this. This is so cool. Exactly. Um, Okay. So Mm -hmm. you you have a recruiting process. Do you, do you have to then, I'm going to guess there's not a whole bunch of role playing you have to do about the recruiting process because they just love doing it. Right. Yeah. No, they know they'll, I mean, they, they send their friends, their friends will email a resume Uh, at this point in our operation, since we're a lot larger, you have an HR manager, she'll review the resume, but to be honest, a resume is not even a must. We like to see a resume because it shows that person put in some type of effort. I want to see kind of, you know, grammatical skills. Um, But there have been times where we've hired people without a resume. Uh, There's, there have been times where, I think Eliza, most people know Eliza, our marketing director. She was, she was a, um, she was a waitress at a very high end restaurant that we had our team Christmas party in 2015. And she was one of the very first that I just literally handed her a card and said, I want you to work for me. If you need a day job, call me, like I'll hire you tomorrow. And she started like three days later. She's been with since then. She is, she started with zero experience as a TC. We trained her. She uh, TC'd for us for about three years and I moved her into marketing last year. It was one of the things that Dr. Ben and I uh, didn't see eye to eye on. He did not want to move her from the TC position. But at that point, you know, we were driving in marketing. It was just the two of us that were doing it. So we, I won that one and it was a, it was a good move. She's a, she's an incredible (laughs) asset to our practice. And, you know, just an example that had zero experience in this industry that has, you know, excelled, which our whole team of directors, you know, they have, we have similar stories with them. Well, it's definitely something that you can see throughout the team. Like when I've been able to see them at events or conferences, Mm -hmm. you know, they just like each other, which is, you can, 
Like there are sometimes right. offices that, that get along with each other. That's good. But then there's ones that actually like to hang around each other and be with each other. And uh, you could totally see that with them. So here's a question for you. You guys grew so right. quickly. I'm- Keeping the culture, you know, I'm obviously I'm a huge fan of culture. We'll talk about that in a little bit too. Obviously my first book was all around culture. I believe in designing a culture. I love your guys' culture there. You definitely have a strong culture. How, I know there are people who, who worry about expansion because they worry that the personal touch of the doctor or the feeling of the doctor or the culture will get lost. What do you guys do to make sure that that stays in place and is paramount? We, I mean, we do a lot. It's, it's, you know, it's easy to say, uh, you know, what things should be done, but what we've tried to do is walk the talk. We're not just going to talk about it. We're not just going to, you know, say all these great things to our team and talk about, you know, how great it be to work here and then, you know, have them come in and in a couple of weeks it sucks. So we try to focus on people a hundred percent of the time. Um, if a team member is struggling with something, we're going to work through it with them. Um, we're not super strict about most things. Like I hate to use this line, but we, we kind of choose our battles. So to speak, uh, we're, we're extremely laid back. And I don't know if you know Dr. Vishvan very well, but Dr. Ben is just a very laid back person. And mm-hmm. so that kind of dictates culture from day one, because we couldn't put all these crazy strict rules and guidelines in when he's so laid back that, you know, no, everyone would know that he wasn't behind all of these things. So <laughs> we've tried to really just kind of be laid back. We have a super laid back approach to management. Um, we are involved in the team. We are really pretty lenient about most things. We do have our, you know, we are very focused on patient care. So if you're in and you're not following the clinical system, like there's a, you know, if, if any, if a manager's walking through, we're going to, you know, pull someone aside and, and make sure that they're following the system. We are, um, we're adamant about, you know, patients being involved in conversations. So, you know, if we have a clinic and, and people are having fun and laughing and joking around, the music's loud, that's how it is our office. We like that going on as long as the patients are being involved as well. So that's really just how we've done it. Um, we also, we do have a few things we're strict on. I'm very strict on our tardy policy. Uh, I don't like people showing up to work late. I think it's disrespectful. So our team knows the things that they can and can't get by with. So um, let's see, as far as maintaining it, that's one of the hardest challenges we've faced and, and continue to overcome. We had our second team. So after Dr. Hal joined us, uh, Dr. Sarah went off with her own team and it was a little bit harder because I couldn't be in both offices at the same time. So I had to, you know, figure out, okay, how do we make sure both teams feel equally as important and valued and loved when Dr. Fishbein can only work with one team and I can only be in one place that, you know, in any given day. So we've, um, you know, we've promoted uh, other managers, given them, you know, full reign to, you know, make the same decisions that we would make. So we have our director of operations and between the two of us, we are making sure each team, the four that we have meeting every week, uh, every day, that each team is getting visited by at least one of us every week. And most of the time, both of us will, you know, make an appearance for each team to take them to lunch, you know, um, do, you know, do a quick Facebook video with them, just something to make sure everyone feels like they're still connected to the team as a whole. Uh, because Dr. Fishbein himself, you know, he goes three months without seeing most of the, most of the team right. because we don't, you know, we don't have full team meetings anymore, except for quarterly. We're too, you know, we're too big. Sure. Team is charge. We're separated every day. So we're doing quarterly team meetings and those have been instrumental in keeping us, you know, together and on the same page and making sure everyone feels like they're a part of one big team rather than four small teams. I love it. I we also so do important. a lot of little extra things. Good. Yeah, we provide snacks and drinks every day for the teams. Uh, you know, we do fun games. We do um, monthly team lunches. You know, for each doctor, we'll take their own team. We still do department meetings every month. Um, just, you know, pr- pretty much the same things that everyone else is doing. We're just making it a point to make sure they're, we don't let them out of the wayside. 
you're keeping them connected and making them feel like there's still a connection. And I've, I've often said, like you go to Disneyland and, you know, Walt Disney has been dead for 50 plus years and yet you still feel the spirit of Walt at Disneyland through his cast members. And uh, I, I remember having this conversation exactly. with Dr. Ben and saying, I promise you that's why you're able to do what you're doing. And cause he was, we were talking about it and he was like, well, you know, I just try to keep things in heat didn't quite know. And I study culture all the time. I lived at Disneyland. I know what it's like. And I know that that's the point is that if you can transfer that enthusiasm of your personal enthusiasm, I often say that uh, culture is the, the magnification of a belief or a, uh, a, a belief system when joined with other people who want to magnify that belief system. So you go to Disneyland, you've got Walt Disney, who, you know, he's obviously wants to create the happiest place on earth. And he found a whole bunch of people who said, yeah, us too. And you at Fishbine Orthodontics, I see you've done the same thing where you, the example is the referrals, right? Finding, a, you never hire anybody that's not a warm referral. Well, then that means that people are talking about it. They want to find people who also right. want to magnify that calling. I actually, it's funny. I love your tardy policy. Actually, I remember listening to your lecture. I can't remember where it was, but now I, I, cause you know, I, when I tell people, look, when I tell doctors, you should, you know, I can't believe you're allowing that. So insubordination, if it's five o'clock or if it's eight o'clock, they should be there. It should be, you know, seven fifty, seven fifty five. That's when they should be showing up and ready to go to work. And then you have the doctors like, yeah, but they've got this, they've got that. And I said, you know what? Let me tell you about Dr. Fishbein's uh, tardy policy. And I would tell him your party policy and they would just be in awe. And just be like, what? You, you can do that? I'm like, yeah, you can. If you set the standard, people will rise to it. And that's what you guys have done for right. sure. Right, exactly. It's so important. Um, I wanted to also mention one last thing here and then we'll move on to another, uh, is that I love your point that you can train almost any position that you you would hire on the enthusiasm and the uh the excitement to work there the person the personality as opposed to the actual skill i've said for years skill can be taught enthusiasm is hard to come by so when you are doing your um uh recruiting do you find that it is uh, that there are some personalities where you think they're, they're going to be at one position, but you realize, okay, well, maybe they're not the best at that skill. So you moved them to something else or how do you make that work? There have been lots of times that's happened. Uh, you know, so I, I, you know, everyone has these like certain skills, things that they're good at. One of the things that I'm good at is reading people and kind of knowing where they're going to fit in our practice. And I don't know how to explain it, or I don't know why I'm good at it. Maybe I've just done this for a really long time. And I've personally, I've worked in all of the positions. So I can kind of get a feel for, for where people will fit, regardless of what I think in the initial interview, um, I will put them in an entry level position 100% of the time. We've never hired oh. anyone in as a manager or a team leader or anything of that nature. They've always started entry level because we're training them a skill that they've never learned. They know nothing about this industry. And I can't ask it, you know, in my opinion, I, don't, I think it would be hard to ask an entire team of people that love and trust us to, you know, automatically right off the bat, respect this new person that comes in that knows nothing about what they're doing. Sure. So when we find, you know, that we're in an interview, and we have this person and they are just displaying amazing management traits. We won't talk to the person about that, but between ourselves, our HR manager, my director of operations and myself will say, you know what, she's going to be a great office manager. Let's start her out in the call center or front desk, get her trained and then, you know, see where it goes. We don't want to promise and under deliver. We, we want to do the opposite. So uh, we've done that with all of our team leaders, every manager we have, I think we have 17 on our management team. Now they've all started out in an entry level position, whether it's in the clinic or front desk, uh, records tech, uh, financial assistant, wherever it has been, they've started in an entry level, learned the, you know, kind of learn the ropes, learned, you know, the team has, um, it's given the team time to get to know them, to respect them and see that, yeah, this person is a great leader. And sometimes we get it wrong. There have been times in an interview where I thought this person is gonna be a great manager, but then when they come and start working, they're almost 
too forceful or their, their personality is too aggressive. And I would never promote a manager that has that person that, you know, that has those because our team is used to a team of managers that are very humble, very servant driven and not uh, bossy, so to speak. So there have been times where just those traits have, have turned us in the other direction where we're like, you know what, she's awesome, but let's put her in a financial coordinator position or, um, you know, an administrative assistant rather than a manager. I love that flexibility. We've also had people that we thought would be a TC that we didn't leave in the team because, you know, sales, they just didn't have the knack for sales. So Mm -hmm. we're very cautious to overshare during an initial interview about what potential pay could be or, you know, what the first position would be. We're always saying, you know, it's going to be, you know, things are going to change. The only thing that doesn't change around here is that everything changes. So we give people the idea right off the bat that everything's going to change. You know, um, we don't know what's going to happen next month. We don't know what's going to happen next year, but we're going to do our best to work as a team. To get it. I love it. I love it. This is so cool. Okay. So now we've got the, the, we got the base of what I think is the most important thing in, in, in a business, which is the team. I was at an event here's nah, probably about six months ago and, someone was up there talking and they were asking the question to the audience. They said, okay, so uh, they're doing this little thing with a pyramid and they're saying it's three points to the pyramid. So in our business, who's at the very top of the pyramid? And these people yelled out, our patients. And she was like, that's right. And I swear I had to hold on to my seat from not jumping up and saying, that's crazy. It's not your patients. You guys yeah, have shown that it is right. the team that creates the business and then they will take care of your, pa- your patients afterwards. Right. That's exactly right. So my now let's move on to uh, how you guys have managed this growth. And obviously you're hiring the right people, but also there's the messaging that gets out there. The messaging, because in my opinion anyway, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you guys still feel almost like maybe not a boutique, but maybe a step up above a boutique office. You've kept that really personable connection with your patients. Mm -hmm. How have you managed to do that? Well, lots of checklists, lots <laughs> of systems. Uh, we have something, we've done it a little differently than most practices. So I think when most practices come in and see us, they're like, wow, this is totally different. Our doctors are not involved in management whatsoever. Our doctors are there to be the orthodontist. That's what they're great at. That's what is the most productive, you know, it's the most productive use of their time. So um, they're there, you know, seeing patients. And then we have a team of managers that manages everything else, keeping up with the growth and, you know, keeping things um, really the systems and the culture, keeping them the same throughout all the teams has been challenging, but it's, it hasn't been as challenging as people think because we have this great team of, of leaders that, you know, that do it. I'm on the front line. So people see me, it's really not me. It's, it's all of these amazing other people that, um, you know, when people visit, they meet all of this talent that we have. And it's crazy that we have the amount of talent we have, but I think it's truly because we've just found these, these people that, you know, love it. They will do it. They're, they're great people. They have great personalities and they're smart and they're the ones getting it done. We do have a lot of systems. We have a lot of checklists. So it's one of the things that we, we train on when people come to visit our practice, I can't say enough good things about accountability. So we have, you know, every position in our office has a daily checklist and we're old school. It, it's very pretty. You know, it's, it's got our branding on it. It's a great checklist. Our director of operations and myself have gone through and, you know, made sure in each position that every daily task, weekly task, monthly task that needs to be done are added to these checklists. And then we, we ask that each team member, emails their completed checklist to us at the end of every day. That's the accountability portion so that we see, okay, they're doing their jobs. If something's not checked off, our director of operations will reach out to the person and say, hey, you know, I noticed at the 10 a.m. slot, you didn't offer refreshments to the reception room. Were there not any patients waiting or, you know, what was the reason? Or, um, you know, just little things like that. We also have an office checklist that our director of operations and myself use once a month, we'll go into every location with this list and a checklist of everything from are the baseboards scuff free? Are there any nicks in the walls? Is the signage, you know, working properly? Um, 
are there, you know, is the station look clean and presentable, um, you know, everything well stocked, all of the things that you think of every month that you need to check within your own office to do it for eight. And while we have an office manager doing all of these things, we're looking at it from a higher level, making sure that nothing's getting missed. So I think it's just the layers of leadership uh, mixed with accountability. Well, I, I love the fact that you're using checklist. Okay, so I teach this principle around, I tell the story around why checklist came to be with airlines. And, you know, Boeing lost a huge contract back in the day because of a really insignificant mistake that was made that caused a huge crash. And that's how they came up with checklists that every pilot from now on before they leave the ground, doesn't matter if you're in a little tiny Cessna or if you're in a big, huge jumbo jet, you are going through the checklist to make sure everything is taken care of. Right. So the fact that you're using them and seeing the result of them, it really leads to the success because you know you're going to get an outcome. Now there's a human error that happens with all of us. There's entropy that happens every single time in everything we do. But when you have the checklist to not only to go off of, but to look back on, and like you said, hey, so why weren't the refreshments put out in that area? You can ask a question as opposed to an accusation. And it makes it really powerful. I love it. Right, exactly. Well, man, this is so good. Okay, we could go on forever. So let me ask you this though, because you know there's gonna be a lot of people. You've mentioned a few times that one of the challenges that you've had, but you've also been pretty successful in overcoming is having that culture spread to every office because it's, it, there's a lot of people, you said 90 people now? 90. Yes. 90. So um, I, I, one of the, the challenges I think, uh, or one of the questions I have is you have a lot of things going awesome, but you know, every business has some challenges. Every business has some things that they are constantly trying to battle against. What are some of the challenges or a challenge that you guys are facing right now, besides the COVID-19 that I think everybody's involved with right now, that you guys have done a masterful job of dealing with as well, which we'd love to hear a little bit about that if oh, you can. Thank you. Um, what, are, what are some of the challenges you're facing? Challenges that we, we do have a lot of people. So when a challenge comes up, we're you know, very quickly in the moment trying to figure it out. But a few of the challenges um, that have come up with our growth, uh, you know, it's things like one of the big ones is general dentists seeing how big we are, how many people we have, how many locations we have and being like, oh, they're not a private practice anymore. That's not Dr. Fishbein. You know, so that's uh, been a little bit of a challenge. We do still get a large percent of dental referrals. So what we've done to try to alleviate that is we've really gone away from being doctor centered to being brand centered over the past few years. And we're really promoting the doctor that's in each, you know, location in that hometown. You know, we're taking them out to meet the dentist. They're going to lunches with the dentist. We have a marketing coordinator that gets bonused for, you know, scheduling lunches and FaceTime for all the doctors with their local dentist. So it's not just Dr. Ben, um, you know, that, that is the one known in the community. That's been a little challenging. Um, one of the other challenges, interestingly enough, is we've created all of these levels of leadership. And I personally love it because I don't, I don't love to hear when these offices that have 50, 60, 70 employees and they have one manager, I don't see how one person can effectively manage that many people you know, I know I couldn't do it. I couldn't do a good job of it. I think as a, as a leader, and I know this is a, you know, a discussion that has many different opinions, but I think personally as a manager, I can really only put hands on and, and you know, touch and love, you know, 15 to 20 people a day. I can't, you know, or at a time, I can't love imagine it. trying to effectively do that with 50, 60, 70. So people would start to feel left out. So what we've done is try to create layers of, of leadership where each person has no more than 15 direct reports. And that person is fully focused on their team. We've empowered that person to be the leader of their team. So if someone from, you know, a, a clinic in, in Pace and Dr. Sarah's office is coming to me asking for PTO or, you know, asking for really anything, I'm not going to answer that request. I'm going to refer them back to their manager. That, that doesn't really happen anymore ever, but you know, in the beginning it would, but what we found is we have close to 20 on our, on our 
full management team. And then under the management team, we also have created positions called lead assistants. So they're lead orthodontic assistants. And these are the assistants that are doing the training and, you know, handling any difficult patients, uh, communicating with parents that, you know, on something, a procedure that's a little uh, outside of, you know, normal daily operations. Um, position is one of the really coveted positions in our office for some reason. There's only one manager, one clinical manager per doctor, but most doctors have two lead assistants and that's a very coveted position. And so, it's hard to, you know, when you're looking at scaling and continuing to move forward, if we're not adding more teams and we're not, you know, we're not really creating a lot of more leadership roles, it, we've, you know, we've had it in this past year where people are, are really wanting to promote into that role, but we don't have it available at the time. So that's been a challenge. We're working through it. Um, you know, we had one lead assistant per team prior to this year. Now we have two team which is great. I mean, we just didn't have a lot of really well-trained assistants prior. It's nice to have two per team. You know, they step in and, and direct the doctor when the clinical manager's out or they fill in for a clinical manager if the clinical manager's on vacation. And then, like I said, handle any of the difficult procedures, but not enough room for growth. Even though we do have a very large management team, there's always, you know, um, there's always people that want to know, like, how am I going to be able to promote or, or where am I going to be able to move up to? So it's, we've it's tried the, I'm to, sorry, uh, it, some ways that we've alleviated that is trying to, oh no, uh, we've tried to make sure that we're paying our team members well enough that they feel valued and appreciated regardless of their title, if that makes that's sense. Really cool. So I've no, tried to go in and evaluate um, the pay quarterly and make sure, does everyone feel you know, like they're being paid fairly and valued for what they're bringing in every day? So the assistants even if they're not being promoted into a lead assistant, they're still getting raises and, you know, they're still going up and increasing. I think that's really, really smart. I love the idea of, you know, you want to make sure that you're going to get, well, I've actually right before the COVID thing, I was in the middle of writing and, and doing an article all around and tons of research around why paying your team members a better wage than average is a benefit to your team because of the output that they'll put in and the, their loyalty and all that stuff. Um, but For one of the sure. things that you've created is also you've created this, I call them leadership and embryo, right? Everybody should be looked at as a leader and embryo. You've created this and now you've got people who are like, cool, I'm ready to take it on. Cool. I'm ready to lead it. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And yet you're right. It I, can create a bit of a challenge because people are like, when's it my turn? And you guys are growing well enough that I'm sure it'll be their turn soon enough. Right. <laughs> um, my question about, uh, I was going to just yeah, suggest we, with, we, when we it comes to- hope so. Yeah, absolutely. My question, what I was going to um, suggest with the dentist, referring dentist, is I have just found, and you guys probably are doing a level of this as it is, I found that sometimes we're not direct enough in our education. Like lunch and learns are great, um, you know, taking doctors out, out to lunch and things like that. One of the things that I would suggest is being willing to literally educate them and say so you've sent us these types of people in the past and we love this type of client. This is our favorite type of client. If you have more of these, we will treat them like crazy good. Like let him know exactly what you want, putting your order in, if you will, like you go to a restaurant, put your order in. Yeah, it's a great idea. I've seen right. so many doctors who had seen a huge turn because the, the referring dentist is like, oh, Okay, thank you for that. Like now I know, or maybe the front office or the hygienist is, oh, now I know. Like I've just been trying to, they're nice people, so I threw them to you. And, you know, I'm sorry they were a problem or I didn't know this, but now they actually have a menu of what you want. So it might be something you guys want to try out. Right. That's a great idea. I appreciate it. Yeah, I was going to mention Dr. Ben had, uh, he told me to mention the influencer dinner you told him about. We did that uh, last did? month and it was a massive success. Yes, it was, it was wildly successful. I think we had around 40 people show up, uh, local community influencers gave out these, you know, really cool cork sickle bottles that said influencer. They had our logo very small in the back, but they said like 2020 influencer. Uh, we had a guest speaker. It was great did it at a high-end restaurant. I was shocked at what a great turnout it was and just what a great event. So we're going to, um, we're going to keep that on as an annual, you know, annual event for our community. So I wanted to give you a shout out on that. 
shout out on that one. That was, that was wildly successful. We loved oh, it. Oh, great. Well, thank you for reporting on that. I've, you know, I, I throw out a lot of ideas to people and <laughs> sometimes they take them and sometimes they don't. And I'm just like, no, I'm telling you, this will work really well. So I love, again, yeah, there you go. Showing the ready, fire, aim. You guys just say, yeah, let's do it. Why not? Why? We don't need a committee on this. Let's do it. That's awesome. I love it. Right. Well, gosh, this has been amazing. We could talk forever. I, we have now come to the part in the show where we do our rapid fire off the top of your head questions. Are you ready to play? Yes. Let me go back to one thing about, oh, I think I, sure. I, I don't want to be misleading on paying your team. So yeah. I, I probably didn't, I wasn't clear enough on this. We are still, you know, we're going through quarterly. Uh, Brittany and I, our director of operations and myself, will go through every January, April, July, and October, and we look at the full team, every person on our team, we have Excel sheet, and we'll look at where their pay is compared to, you know, their peers, basically, time spent. But we're also operating within overhead guidelines. My contract stipulates overhead has to be below 60% at all times. Uh, mm. When I started managing it, it was at 52%. It's at 54% now. And so we have a certain percentage of that that is allocated to payroll. So we are operating within that. So it's not just, you know, giving raises just for the fun no. of it. We have to keep it within payroll budgeting, but we are paying more fairly than anyone else in our area. We're definitely um, on the high end of where pay can be, but it's because our team members are so productive. Uh, our systems are, are good enough that we're able to, uh, be productive at a higher level so we can afford to pay a little more. Hopefully that makes sense. No, I think that's great. And thank you for that clarification. And one of the things I love about that clarification is, so although I believe you should pay at a very nice level, you shouldn't pay just to pay at a very nice level in the sense of just to, right. to do it. I, I train team members and I say this in speeches. I say this when I'm in front of them saying, the, the worst thing you could do as an employee is to go into the doctor or the, the manager and say, okay, so I've been breathing the same air as you for the past year. It's time for me to have a raise. It's like, well, no, why? Like, tell me right. why. How have you improved your skills? What CE have you done on your own? Be willing to, so yeah, I'm definitely not a fan of just giving raises or uh, doing it because I want there to be some sort of production from them to say, okay, cool. I want to Yes, I want to pay for that upgraded software for another year. Let's do this. So I love it. I love that you're doing that. Okay, so let's Absolutely. play. Uh, the first question is just simple. Simply, what is the one thing that you, when you go out there and you hear and you lecture and you talk to other offices, what's the one thing that you feel like most offices are missing in their office? I think most people are focusing more on details rather than people. And if you put people first, everything else is going to fall into place. I love but you it. have to, you can't just talk about it. You really have to be about it. Love it. So true. So true. Love it. Okay. Um, what is a book that you feel every person should be reading out there right now? Leaders Eat Last, Simon Sinek is my all-time favorite leadership book we have had every manager on our team has read it and I can't I can't say enough good things about it I've read it personally multiple times I get something new from it every time I love it that's great have you did you see the video that's going around of Simon talking to his team after the COVID uh, situation last week no, but I'm going to look that up. Thank you for bringing it up. No, I'm uh, gonna if you go to, if you here. go to my Facebook page, you'll see it. I've listed it. It's, it's Well, it's going to be kind of full down, but it's a, uh, it's a zoom Perfect. call that he is talking for everybody who's listening. Awesome. You need to go okay. Look at this. It's like seven minutes long. It's him talking to his team. And the point that he's making is that this is not unprecedented. This is what's supposed to happen in order to shake up industries for us all to pivot and to grow. And it's really inspirational. It's awesome. So you should go check it out. Oh, it's amazing. That's, a, that's incredible. I think that people, I, I think that we've, we've gone into this with, you know, what can we do to retain our team? And I know it's not a popular opinion right now in our industry. We are one of the few that have, we've retained 100% of our team. Uh, we're basically at this point paying them to stay at home, um, but we have gotten really creative with budget cuts. Uh, we've cut so many other things. I've got an Excel spreadsheet 
Um, I could spend a whole nother hour on this, but we've cut a lot of things in order to try, you know, for as long as we possibly can to retain our team members and really, you know, um, I, uh, I know there's a lot, I know that we're in a position that we can do that and not everyone is, but it's been something for us that's been really important during this time. Um, so, yeah. I love it. I think it's so cool. So powerful. It's, it's, it's powerful to be in, in that position, number one, as a business owner, but what loyalty and, um, and fandom you are creating for, with your team. That, that's great. Love it. Well, in my book, The Practice Rx, I do focus a lot on team culture and team performance as the foundation for business growth. We've talked about that quite a bit here. What do you see as the biggest challenge that most private practice owners are facing with their teams and their office culture besides not focusing on the person and focusing on the systems? Wow, what would be the biggest challenge with most offices? Uh, I would say making sure every employee feels valued, feels loved and feels important uh, because so many times, you know, the, the employees are constantly comparing themselves to one another. We live in a unique time right now where, you know, back in the day, you've been doing this a long time. Like I have, you could tell team members, you're not allowed to discuss your pay with other people. Okay. Those days are over. They can talk about their pay if they want to. So you have to make sure that each person feels, you know, valued for what they bring and that, there is a little more understanding and open communication as to why things can be a little different. You know, there is a little discrepancy against, you know, between who's in what position or what their pay is. So being a little more open with your team. Now we don't, I say that we don't share full team numbers. We don't share production. We don't share collection that we don't share, you know, start goals with full team because it's not really in our opinion, it's not really relative to everyone, but I think open communication to the point, you know, that you're comfortable and just showing your team that, you know, you value them and you value their opinion, you value their feedback and you want them to feel, you know, like they're part of the decision-making process. I so enjoy you saying that because um, I feel like the team members need to know what the score is and what their team members' stats are in order for us all to win the game. If not, we're playing right. half of a game. So that's so powerful. Right. I love it. We could do a whole nother so section So we have a, we, yeah, I was going to let you know, we, we have um, weekly, our, our clinical managers send in every week, their clinical team, there's four teams, there's a manager for each team. They're sending in every week to myself and our director of operations that's for their clinical team. So they're sending over what was the percentage of emergency appointments? What were the appointment type timings per procedure? How many patients per day did everyone see? And then chart audits, at least two chart audits per assistant per day. So the manager sends these reports to us, but they're also going through these reports with their team in a weekly meeting. Nice. And that way, when we're doing our quarterly reviews with our team, we have, we have facts. It's not just like, well, we think this is how it's going. No, they need to know have facts, we have statistics, we have numbers, and it's based on these things and not just what we thought happened. That's so great. Love it. Okay. Um, you mentioned, just barely mentioned that you have your Fishbine Fundamentals. Is that the best way that people could reach out to you? Is there a way that people had more questions that they could do that? Yeah, they, they're welcome to email me. Uh, all of our emails are up on our website, fishortho.com. My email address is amanda at fishortho.com. I'm very responsive to email. I'm probably more responsive to email than either text or call even, um, nice. just because that's my life. Uh, we have a yeah. team of directors. Their emails are also up there. But if somebody reaches out and, you know, I'm not the person for it. I'm happy to forward the request. We do have our conference, Fish Fund Fundamentals. We hold it twice a year. Um, it is sold out for this year. We had to cancel the May event. We had March, May, and September book. Uh, we did have to cancel May. September is sold out, but there'll be another one next March. In addition to that, we hold one-on-one -on -one office visits. So they can um, come and spend the day with our office, book a day. Um, we've had people bring two team members. We've had people bring in. Um, we love it. We host around an average of one office per week during normal time. So we, wow. you know, we love it. There's, it's a great way to, uh, you know, kind of see the systems firsthand and uh, kind of, you know, really get a chance to spend the day with our team and, and see what we're doing for yourself. Perfect. What is the best advice that you've received in life or in business? Just off the top of your head. 
the best advice. Uh, I mean, let me think about this. I feel like I've this too many times, like putting people <laughs> first, but doing the right thing, even when no one is watching, because mm. someone is always watching. So if you're doing the right thing and you're treating people well, even when no one is watching and when you're the only person there, that's never going to work out wrong for you. Wow. So true. So true. Last question here, and we're going to let you run. What's the best resource or tool that you think practice owners can use to grow their practice? Best resource or resource or tool. Uh-huh. We early on uh, joined uh, Pro Ortho FE. Uh, Bridget and Ben Burris were instrumental in you know my personal journey and and Dr. Ben. We've uh, we've modeled a lot of what we do after them. But I think the best resource is yourself. Get off your butt, quit talking about it, and just do it. You know, when you find a good idea, don't talk it into the ground. Just just do it. Get it done. I love it. That's so true. Amanda Floyd. You- these groups, these groups, these podcasts, all of these things are, they're so valuable to all of us. We all learn so much from each other every day. I think our uh, industry as a whole has so many amazing people in it. Like just connecting with all these different people, you know, you, Scott Hansen, Kyle Fagala. There are so many great people in this industry. Colson and Neil Adicula. I could go on and on with yeah. the amazing people. Grant Collins, he's, you know, TikTok leader. There's so many great amazing influential people that all excel at different things so if you can kind of really just broaden your network and learn from everybody you you're winning there really isn't an excuse <laughs> there's so much out, out there no. for people to, to to get even like for free just that that's out there on the internet it's like for the google free, you know it's like right, there right yeah <laughs> Well, Amanda Floyd, you have been a joy to talk to and to learn from. And I know, I know that there are doctors there that just have notes full of information on how to use this from your hiring process to how you recruit people to how you guys think about business and the systems that you use. You have just really poured it on for us. And I am so grateful to you for doing so. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm truly appreciative of you thinking of me a hundred percent and ladies and gentlemen i mean if if i didn't say at the very beginning like i was right right the the very first non-doctor non-product person somebody who is (laughs) in the trenches even more in the trenches in some cases than the doctor this was a treat for all of us so please make sure you share this episode or any of our episodes with your friends and family members and remember our goal here is always to help you be more productive more proactive and make more profit in both your life, your business and your personal life. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much again for listening to the ProPreneur podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.